Light on today, we have Dr. Melissa Sell. Uh, thanks so much for being here. So, uh, I've been excited to talk to you because over the last two years now, uh, I've moved away from germ theory and have discovered terrain theory. Uh, so, I've been all about that. But in, in between all my research, I've heard whisperings of German new medicine. Um, and people asking me, what, what are your thoughts on German new medicine? How do you feel about German new medicine? I'm like, I don't, I don't really know anything about it. But um, what I've gathered so far and from watching some of your stuff uh, is that it, there's a, a very big psychological component to it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that, that seems like a big part of it. And I've always uh, been a huge advocate of talking about like the, you know, the psychological aspect of illness and how that uh, in, you know, how our brains inform our bodies. So what, what is German new medicine? Yeah. So just a little tweak on what you said that German new medicine also called Germanic healing knowledge. We're kind of getting away from the medicine title, but um it is, it's a biological understanding of illness. And so our psychology, so like the mind, has grown out of our biology. And so the fundamental understanding of um, tissue adaptations from the German medicine, Germanic healing knowledge perspective, is that dis-ease is biological. And it does come from shocking circumstances that we can't handle. Um, so the way that it got discovered by Dr. Hammer um, was in 1978, Dr. Hammer's son was 17 at the time, was shot. It was uh, this random kind of accident. All sorts of crazy stuff happened just uh, surrounding um, his son getting shot um, by the, the crown prince of Italy. And he survived for three months, but then passed away. And so this tragic loss in Dr. Hammer's life um, preceded his diagnosis of testicular cancer. So a few months after his son died, um, Dr. Hammer discovered he had testicular cancer and he, you know, was healthy, didn't have any cancer history in his family. And so he knew that there had to be some type of connection between this traumatic loss and his cancer. And so he worked in oncology. So he had access to patients who had cancer. And so he started to ask questions. He started to make connections between um, cancer diagnoses and shocks that preceded them. Um, so not not just stress, not just you know uh, something shocking happened. They were really stressed out. Then they developed cancer. He started seeing patterns. So everyone, every man who had testicular cancer had specifically some type of uh, sudden tragic loss. Everyone who had um, lung cancer had a death right conflict. Everyone who had colon cancer had an indigestible morsel conflict. Women with um, ductal breast cancer had some type of separation conflict. And so he started piecing together the fact that these cancers don't seem to be random. That like, why does one person get one type of cancer and another person gets another type of cancer? Why does one woman get breast cancer in the right breast, the other one in the left breast? And so uh, he mapped out these five biological laws. And the five biological laws are this understanding of the biological nature of dis-ease, what we call disease 
um, other than things that are due to injuries, um, poisoning, um, extreme nutritional deficiencies, those would be like exceptions to, so those would be symptoms that a person develops in absence of this type of shock. This can just be, you know, if you drink Drano, you will uh, experience vomiting or severe diarrhea or, you know, bleeding in your, in your gut um, because that you've been poisoned or if you've had an injury, but all other diseases that seem like they come out of nowhere, you know, so something like cancer, something like a mole, why does a, why does a mole form right here on my body? And so what he discovered is that each tissue layer of our bodies, so depending on the symptom that you're exhibiting, you can map out what is the original tissue, so the germ layer. So Dr. Hammer looked at deep at embryology. So the original tissues from which every other part and piece of our body is formed, there are different tissue types. So like when you are building a house, you know, there's bricks, there's wood, there's all sorts of different materials that are used. In our bodies, we have four fundamental germ layers. We've got the endoderm, so that's the oldest uh, type of tissue, which is controlled by the brainstem. Um, then we have the mesoderm, which has two uh, portions, the old mesoderm controlled by the cerebellum. Um, then we have the new mesoderm um, that's controlled by the cerebral medulla. And then we have the ectoderm that's controlled by the cerebral cortex. So that's kind of, you know, that's this deep um, scientific understanding of how our body is structured, how our brain controls certain regions in the body. And when we have certain conflicts, certain shocks that catch us off guard that we can't, we couldn't anticipate in that moment, we felt totally shocked, totally alone, like a death fright conflict. Like, you know, uh, have you ever had a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I might die. <laughs> you know, like you're some, you're about to be attacked by, by a wild animal or there's, you know, um, I had a friend who was in a drive-through um, and someone put a gun to his head and uh, wanted to steal his car. And so it's like, okay, that's like a death fright conflict. Um, and in that moment, your body's like, we might not make it out of this. And so depending on how your nervous system perceives that shock, um, if it perceives it as a death right conflict, you will have proliferation in your lungs. So like your lung tissue, there will become, there will be more lung tissue. You will have more lung alveoli so that you can absorb more oxygen. And so what Dr. Hammer discovered about these things we call diseases like cancer is it's actually functional. It's not an error. It's not your body making a mistake. It's not some kind of genetic uh, mishap where the cells are all of a sudden randomly uh, duplicating out of control, which is kind of the modern understanding of cancer is it's just random. It's just genetic, you know, maybe smoking causes it, maybe not because some people smoke and don't get cancer. So, you know, uh, he's basically given us a whole new map and framework for understanding where disease comes, comes from. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, would it be accurate to say that it can be a combination of all those things? I mean, like if you're a smoker and also you have these conflicts in your life, you know, they all contribute or... Well, they don't contribute in the sense that like you can smoke your entire life and never have a death fright conflict and never develop lung cancer. Right. And so, and, and there's proof of that. I mean, there are a hundred year olds who, who smoked and, you know, never thought about nutrition, ate bologna sandwiches and peanut butter and jellies their whole life and never developed cancer. And so if cancer is caused from poor nutrition and smoking, how are these anomalies of nature existing? You know, and so 
certainly though lifestyle and so i i'm a chiropractor and my uh, background previously to getting into gnm was in lifestyle modification so like let's clean up your diet let's get rid of the toxins let's you know not use bad oils use organic you know eat organic food clean up all of the toxins from your home i mean that was my thing mm -hmm. <laughs> exercise eat right you can you can prevent disease by changing your lifestyle that was my mission that's what i taught people um and so in that model you know i believed that if you just lived clean enough, you just did the right things and avoided doing the wrong things, you would prevent yourself from ever developing heart disease, ever developing cancer, you would be healthy. And, and I, and I believed that and I, and I knew that it was true. Um, but there would be every so often um, something that would kind of shake my, my confidence in, in my, this thing I thought was so true and accurate, which was when, you know, someone who I thought was living a totally healthy lifestyle, doing all of the right things and had been doing the right things for years, developed a brain tumor or died of a heart attack. And it's like, whoa, that person I thought was doing everything right. What, what am I missing? Um, I thought that I, by teaching this to people to clean up their lifestyle, that they would never develop disease. And so there are a few moments like that, that, you know, it was just kind of a, I don't really know what to, what to make of that. And it wasn't until I came across GNM and I was like, oh, oh, okay. So the lifestyle stuff is important because your body needs clean nutrition. You don't want to poison your tissues with, you know, atrazine and glyphosate and all the sorts of, you know, chemicals. Sure. You don't want to be living in, in these toxic um, homes, living, uh, putting toxic uh, clothing on our bodies and all of that. That's not ideal. However, it's not that the, the poor nutrition and the, the toxic stuff causes the disease. It contributes to um, our overload, you know, so it contributes to if I'm not eating well, if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not conscious of the, the things that I'm purchase, purchasing um, and putting on and in my body, I likely am also not paying much attention to, you know, my mental and emotional health. And so the the lifestyle stuff and what I'm uh, I've come to realize is that it's all very important. But what happens when someone changes their diet, they're taking care of themselves, they are doing things consciously and intentionally. And so it's, you know, so when someone says I cleaned up my diet and all of my health symptoms went away, is it because it was the bad food that was causing the symptoms or was it something about something going on in their psyche, something about their self-esteem, their self-worth, how they were treating themselves, the relationships they were allowing themselves to um, be in. When someone wakes up and says, I'm going to take care of myself. It's not just the, the stuff going in and out that changes something here changes. And so um, when you understand uh, the root cause of like physical aches and pains from the GNM perspective, that is a self devaluation conflict. And so that's beating up on yourself, feeling guilty, not feeling good enough. When you give your body the message, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mother. I'm, I'm bad at this. I'm stupid. I should be better. I should be prettier. I should be smarter. Your body hears that message and it says, oh, she needs to be more. She needs to be bigger, better than she is, which causes renovation in our musculoskeletal tissues. And it's being in a cycle of self-devaluation that causes something like chronic pain or fibromyalgia. Um, and so being a chiropractor, you know, for years teaching people, oh, if you're spine is just aligned enough. Um, and if you remove all the sugar from your diet, you won't have inflammation, your spine will be aligned, you'll never have pain again. But I wasn't taking into consideration these self-devaluation conflicts because I didn't know about them. But now seeing 
it. And in retrospect, it's like, oh my goodness, when a person comes to a chiropractor or comes to, you know, some kind of body worker, massage therapist, acupuncturist, whatever, you know, they're making such an investment in themselves. Something about their psyche is changing and their self-worth patterns and programs. And so it's not just the acupuncture. It's not just the chiropractic that's improving, you know, their, their physical being. It's the fact that they are taking, um, you know, their self-worth into account and they're doing something for themselves that maybe they've never done before. Um, so there's just so much more to it than what I previously had thought. So it's like the realization that you're doing something productive, um, kind of contributes to your overall mental state, right? Certainly. And, and, and so, and then a person who say does the thing, does the, the chiropractic, does the treatment program, but doesn't, but still has flare ups. And so that was something that, you know, was so um, hard for me to understand when someone would still have pain, even though, you know, they're like, I'm doing my exercises, I'm coming in to get my adjustments, you know, if they were still having conflicts, if they were still, you know, feeling bad about their parenting or beating themselves up for something or feeling unsupported in their life, that is what was causing the flare-ups and pain rather than something purely mechanical. Mm -hmm. So, and Dr. Hammer, did he conduct a lot of tests to, to kind of, um, show evidence on all this stuff because i mean it is pretty pretty big claims compared to like you know normal allopathic medicine yes so. he he did tons and tons and tons of research and he and the fact that these are called biological laws he never saw an exception in all of the work and all of the research and all of the cases that he followed there was never an exception now the problem is that all of dr hammer's research is in german and we don't have all of it translated and there's kind of some you know issues getting it translated and copyright and all of that you know in addition to the fact that the powers that be want this information suppressed you know he put his thesis to the university of Tubingen, and they would not, they wouldn't even look at it <laughs> because as soon as they enter it into something that is under advisement, you know, people are going to find out about it. And so they, there is, um, you know, so many barriers to getting this information to the mainstream because they don't even want to acknowledge that it exists. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, thinking, um, learning about all this stuff, I, I was thinking about, you know, the, when you talk about the conflict and the, the, um, the trauma from deaths that, that happen. I always think about um, how you see, you know, one partner who passes away and then very soon after the other partner will, will pass away. Um, I always thought that was kind of strange, you know, how they always tend to follow each other. So that's, um, maybe that's, you know, evidence right there. It's definitely Absolutely. something to that. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it's cool. I mean, the thing about GNM is you don't have to even, you don't have to believe any of it. You don't have to believe anything that I'm saying. You could think I'm completely crazy. However, if you start watching your experience, because that's how it was for me is I was like, okay, this is really interesting. It makes logical sense to me that, and I, and my history in chiropractic, um, chiropractic uh, has a rich philosophy um, that it aris arose from um, with BJ and DD Palmer. And one of the main things in chiropractic is the innate intelligence of the body, that the body is smart and the body is ancient and the body knows what it's doing. You know, so when we say, oh, you know, let's just cut this organ out. Here's this, the body's making a mistake. For us to assume that is to assume that the body is stupid and that we're smarter than this body that's ancient and has been around a lot longer than the human consciousness that's been writing books for, you know, 
a few thousand years. And so um, this wisdom and respect for that, the body knows how to do stuff that we don't know how to do. I mean, it built itself, it built its own heart, it built this digestive system. And yeah. so if something's going on in it, clearly there, there must be a reason. And so you know, I had that background prior to finding out about GNM. And then I was like, okay, so this kind of makes sense that my body would be adapting deliberately um, in response to experiences that I'm having, and I'm just not making the connection. So something that was a huge eye opener for me was acne. Um, so acne was something I dealt with my whole teen years, my 20s. And I was like, and I thought that I, I went through all the things. So my first framework for acne was from Neutrogena commercials where I thought it's dirt getting down into my pores. And if I just keep my skin clean enough, if I wash my face good enough, um, I won't get acne. And so I'd like put rubbing alcohol, I'd use all the different, you know, soaps and scrubs and proactive and all this stuff to try to keep my skin clean. Cause I thought that it was, you know, oils and bacteria and dirt getting in my skin that caused acne. Yeah. So despite all my efforts, I'd still get breakouts. And then when I was 18, I started working at this chiropractic office. I was like, okay, I, I read this book called milk the deadly poison. I was like, oh, milk, dairy. I just need to cut dairy out. <laughs> and so I cut dairy out. My skin got a little better. So I was like, oh, this is the answer. Um, but then it would, it would come back, even though I still wasn't eating dairy. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. You know, I thought it was the dairy, but I'm still having breakouts. So maybe it's something else. Um, and then I, then I was like, oh, it's, it's bad oils. You know, I started hearing about learning about, um, you know, hydrogenated oils and vegetable oils and how inflammatory and bad they are for you. I was like, oh, I can't eat these oils. It's the oils that cause the breakout. Hmm. And so like my understanding kept evolving, but I'd cut the foods out and I'd still have breakouts sometimes. And so I'm like, ah, you know, and then I was like, oh, it's probiotics. I just, it's gut health. Gut health is everything. <laughs> and I was like, if I just have my probiotics and eat my sauerkraut, then I'll never have acne. And, you know, obviously it kept going until I found GNM. And so from the GNM perspective, acne is the result of a conflict shock of feeling attacked or feeling soiled. And it affects the deeper layer of the skin. This is the dermis skin, which is this protective layer deep in our skin. And what it does is when you feel attacked or you feel soiled, there is proliferation. So there's extra tissue cells that are developed as the shield to protect you from the thing that is attacking you or the thing that is soiling you. And so the body kind of makes this little shield. And then when you resolve the conflict, it decomposes the additional tissues that were built up. And that's when you have the pussy pimple. Mm -hmm. is because there was a conflict and then a resolution. And so I was like, oh, okay, so that's interesting. And I, and, you know, I, I took the idea and then I was like, let me see, let me see how this works. And then I started noticing things, you know, so the, the whole idea of the soiling, so this is dirty, this is bad, I shouldn't eat this. Even things like pizza, you know, like pizza is kind of messy to eat. So like the whole pizza face idea of like, oh, it's the greasy pizza. It's because it's greasy and the grease causes, it's like, it's the... I, I think the feeling of being soiled while eating a piece of pizza, because there's, you know, there it's greasy and you actually feel soiled. It gets on your face in such a way, you know, if you're eating it, um, you know, kind of sloppily or just like how you would eat a piece of pizza, not with like a knife and a fork. I was like, oh, so if I get something on my skin and I feel soiled or I feel gross, or if my dog would lick my face and I, you know, kind of feel gross about it, I'd get a little breakout. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Or if I would like pluck my eyebrows and I felt attacked, I'd like get a little breakout. And mm -hmm. so I started making all of these connections. And by shifting my perspective of things like the bad oil, shifting my perspective of my dog licking my face, I've been able to 
not have breakouts. You know, every so often I'll get caught off guard by something and I'll have like one single pimple, but I'll know where it came from. I'll know, oh, this is, you know, I, I was caught off guard by this, this, uh, my dog biting my face or something that happened. And I'll know exactly where the pimple came from, but now it's not a mystery and, and I can make that direct connection. So that for me was like majorly eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it true that, that most, once you get into adulthood, you get less acne though? How do you account for for you know evidence that that speaks to that sort of thing because i i know personally i you know i had tons of breakouts when i was younger and then as i got older um they tended to go away yeah and so the teenage acne thing it is about your appearance like how do you look and so when you're a teenager when you're kind of like you know in high school or you know just coming of age and you're interested in dating and and the opposite sex and you like are really conscious of the way that you appear. And so that's why adolescents typically are the ones who deal with the most acne because there's so much self-consciousness of how do, more, right. yeah, how do I, how do I look to, to these people? How do I, you know, am I attractive? Do I look good enough? Because if you feel ugly, that is a, that's a sensation of feeling soiled. Um, you know, another thing is like feeling attacked is part of this, this conflict as well. And so if you are, you know, living in a household where you're getting yelled at by your parents or yelled at by authority, you're feeling attacked very often, um, it can be words like someone speaking something to your face, or if you have back knee, um, people talking about you behind your back, feeling stabbed in the back. And so it shows up again, depending on your experience. And as you grow, so as you become an adult and you don't have, you know, you're 18, you, you, don't have to listen to authorities anymore. Maybe you're not feeling attacked as much. You know, you're kind of more confident in yourself. You're less concerned about your appearance. And so, you know, as you grow up, uh, you become less concerned about the things that really preoccupied your mind when you were a teenager. That's very true. Yeah, you do you do tend to care less about your appearance and what people think about you as you get older. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know we're running short on time. Um, I wanted to ask you first about genes. What's your view of genes? Because we hear about, um, you know, these, these uh, illnesses that are carried over from your genes. And, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me that to think that we're just like born broken or carried over from someone else's has some broken thing inside of them. Um, and then I want to talk about COVID if we if we can. Yeah. So genes are kind of like germs in the sense that, you know, um, in the conventional theory, we say, oh, the gene is causing this problem. It's the it's the BRCA gene that causes breast cancer. We say the germ is causing the sickness. Oh, the COVID germ is causing um, the symptoms in the lungs and the fever and the coughing. Um, And so what they see is something and they give it causative power. So they say the gene is the causative power. The germ is the causative power. It's the thing that's making you sick. And so basically you're a sitting duck. <laughs> you are you are inert. There's nothing you can do. If the germ, germ gets on you or if you've got the gene, you're doomed. And so that is a position of like least power, <laughs> least personal power and least personal responsibility, which is why it's such a good system for the medical industry. Because, you know, if you have no other choice than to have this gene or have this germ, well, by golly, you, you, you need the surgeries. You need to remove your body parts in advance so you don't get this <laughs> disease. And you need to take all the prophylactics and injections and vaccines and medications to avoid and defend yourself against these germs because you're weak and broken. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't make sense to me because again, human beings, the, if you look at the history of humanity, you know, we survived a really, really long time without all of those things. Therefore, right. 
there's something something fishy going on because clearly the body is resilient. Even the worst quote pandemics in history, there were still people that survived. How is that even possible if it simply is the exposure to the microbe? Um, so with genes, our genes and, and the epigenetic research proves this, that our environment and our psyche. So um, the gene changes in response to the conflict. So the gene adapts based on the conflicts. You know, so if something is passed down in a family line, it would be that someone had a conflict, someone had a shock, and their body adapted in a particular way. And that adaptation, that energy, that attitude has been passed down through the family. And so if you're if you have something that your parents had and your and your grandparents had, we have to look at the psyche. We have to look at some point somebody was shocked by something. And that's really the cool thing about GNM that I love so much is that, you know, when you think about your vast ancestral lineage like all the way back, <laughs> every, every organism that ever existed that led to you today. So every adaptation, every like micro advantage, you know, and, and I think we, we kind of get spoiled in the modern world where we don't really face too many life or death situations anymore. You know, like things are pretty cushy here. <laughs> like yeah. when have you yeah. ever been, you know, thirsting to death or starving to death or, you know, in, in a truly life-threatening situation, sure they do happen, but it's, it's not, as common as it used to be. And so when you think about the, um, the micro advantage of these adaptations, so our body being able to build a, a, a few extra lung cells to be able to open. So something that it was another interesting conflict that opened my eyes was um, like a sore throat. What I had this experience, I was at a, a cousin's house and they offered me some food and I just started eating it, but it, I didn't like the texture. It was like a meatball. And I was like, oh, this is gross, but I didn't want to spit it out because I was in a group of people. And so I swallowed it. I swallowed, I swallowed the whole thing. And I was like, and afterwards my throat got sore and scratchy. And the conflict I had in that moment is I don't want to swallow this. And so my body experienced this as, okay, there's something in her throat. She doesn't want to swallow. She either needs to swallow it down or get it up. And so what it did was it eroded my esophagus. And so it widened the esophagus so I could get the food down or spit it up. And then, and so that was the adaptation made to help me in that split second moment when I was like, gross, I don't want to eat this. <laughs> and so afterwards, so my body during those moments when I was in the conflict was widening my throat, it eroded tissue. Um, and then once I was fine, once I swallowed the food down, my body started to repair the tissue that had been eroded. And it's that repair work which is when my throat was scratchy, my, 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 it was inflamed. It was hard to swallow. I started coughing. So this is the time, you know, if I was in the regular uh, system, I'd go and they'd swab my throat and they'd say, oh, you have strep hmm. and strep. So bacteria are helpers. Bacteria help the body and they only become active once you've resolved the conflict. And so they, they are there to either help build up tissue that was eroded or to break down tissue that was built up. That's their job. That's when they work. That's when they become active. And so it's because I had the conflict that the bacteria became active. It wasn't the bacteria just of their own starting to attack my throat because, you know, my immune system was low or, you know, why does it happen? Why do you get a sore throat right now? It's because you had a conflict that was then resolved and now your body's in the healing phase. And so, you know, we have to look at the whole context. We have to look at, oh, wow, my body. So my ancestors at some point, you know, my body learned that we can adapt these tissues in order to help this organism to survive. 
to live another day. And so we have all of this programming, this ancient deep programming that helped some, some ancestor survive. That's why that programming is still in us. And so when you can recognize that and say, oh, you know, this, uh, this melanoma on my skin, you know, this isn't just random from the sun. This was from feeling attacked or feeling soiled. Um, this uh, lump in my breast, it's because I was feeling really, really concerned about my, the well-being of my children. I was really, really worried about them. And the body hears that deep worry for your child as, okay, this child might need nourishment. And so it proliferates, it makes the breast gland bigger to produce breast milk to help them to survive. Because at some point in our lineage, that was a very important adaptation because you didn't have running water and, and just fluids everywhere that you could just drink and hydrate your child who's about to bleed out. You know, when you're um, in the desert and you don't have access to stuff like that, the body's like, oh my gosh, if my child's about to die, the only thing I have is I could literally produce milk for them. And so when you start understanding this, um, this language of the body and you take into account our vast ancestry of adaptation and survival, you know, the genetic stuff, the gene, like the, the genes and the germs, it's like, oh, we've got it all wrong. <laughs> we've been looking yeah. at the effects of adaptation, trauma-induced adaptations. Um, we've been looking at the effects of that and giving them causative power and trying to go after the effect. And we've been doing that for you know a long time now, 200 years at least since the germ theory was developed. And you can see people have gotten sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. So what we're doing isn't working. And you know this this model makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think we're more adaptive than you know the current system uh, tells us and you know, we are, we are ancient beings and we, I think we come with everything that we need And the, you know, under the current allopathic system, we're made to be just these very, uh, you know, it's a very demeaning and diminutive kind of outlook on the way we are. And, um, yeah, you know, we're told that we're, uh, dependent on, on pumping toxins into our bodies and, and, you know, all of these, these drugs and pharmaceuticals. So, that yeah, I think that's a, a really big point to be made about all of this and the move away from sort of material medicine uh, is is really important. Um, so how does one is uh, dealing with cancer? Say, um, how do you treat them under German new medicine? Is it easily treatable? I mean, what kind of things do you do for that? So ideally, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is if you're hearing this information is to learn about it because the cancer diagnosis, often it's the diagnosis, it's the shock that leads to, you know, a lot of the big fallout from, you know, why people die of cancer, because even knowing about GNM after the fact, so here's the thing is when you have a conflict and if it's just a brief conflict, you know, and, and it, and you resolve it right away, um, you will probably not even know it. Like you'll have a single cough or the, the cells that built up, you won't even know that they're there. It's, it's so small. It's when a conflict goes on for a long period of time. When you are, you know, you're not sleeping for weeks and months on end, you're upset about this thing, you're not resolving it. That's when excessive adaptation takes place. And so when the excessive adaptation takes place, say in the colon, so a colon tumor um, is the body proliferating additional cells to help you to digest and break down this, this morsel, this thing in your life that you can't accept, you can't process, you're angry about. Um, and so your body's trying to help you. But if you've been conflict active with that for a very, very long time, then you finally resolve it. You may have built up a large tumor. 
And so like the, what do you do about the cancer? It really depends on the type of cancer. It depends on the individual and what they believe about the cancer, because in some situations, you know, a surgery, one could be totally necessary. So like if a tumor has built up so big that it's going to block a passageway, it's going to block your colon, you have to have that surgically removed um, because you're not going to survive long enough for the body to decompose that tumor. Um, and so surgery in some cases is totally necessary, but you still want to know GNM because, you know, some and saying you have a colon cancer can cause you to feel an attack against your abdomen conflict, cause you to feel a self-devaluation conflict, which then affects the bones. Um, so from the GNM perspective, you know, in conventional medicine, they say, you know, metastatic cancer, we have to get the cancer out and we have to like poison your whole body so that the cancer doesn't spread. Mm-hmm. Um, is under the idea, which is actually, it's a theory, this metastasis theory. You know, I used to think, of course, you know, they say that the cancer starts in the colon and then it spreads to the the bones and the liver and the brain. So you have to, you know, take drastic measures so it doesn't do that. Dr. Hammer discovered that what we call metastasis doesn't occur in the way we think it does. There's never been cancer seen in transit from, you know, from the colon to the bone. They've never seen it. They don't test blood, uh, donated blood for cancer cells. You think, okay, if, if people are all over the place with metastasized cancer, you think you'd have to test the blood that's being donated to people for these cancer cells, right? They don't do that because it's never been proven that the cancer moves from point A to point B. So what Dr. Hammer discovered was, was that it's additional conflicts that a person has. You know, another kind of mysterious thing is that cancer in the bone is the erosion of the bro- bone. So it's, it's breakdown. The bone becomes very fragile because there's like holes eaten out of it. That's cancer of the bone. But cancer in the colon is a growth. And so it's like a tumor that's grown big. So how does a, a tumor in the colon that has grown to a, you know, a, a tumor a solid tumor in the colon go to the bone and cause erosion. Like that doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. And when you actually think about it, it's like, okay, that actually doesn't make sense. Those are two different processes. Those are two different tissue types. So like the colon is made of endodermal tissue and the bone is made of new mesodermal tissue. They're controlled from different areas in the brain. They respond to different conflicts. And so, um, So yeah, you want to have this understanding prior, you know, ideally prior to any type of cancer diagnosis, because as soon as you get the diagnosis, boom, that can be a shock. And then the treatment um, possibilities, you know, oh, we're going to have to cut your abdomen open. Oh, that makes you feel attacked, scared uh, financially, you know, so something like a uh, financial fear, like a starvation conflict is what affects the liver. And so if all of a sudden you're faced with these huge financial bills, you could have um, a conflict affecting your liver because you're like, how am I going to pay for all of this surgery and all of this treatment and feed my kids? You know, my kids are going to starve. And so with cancer, we have to look at the original conflict. What happened? How long was it going on for? Is it resolved? Because what can happen is that we can resolve a conflict, but then relapse back into it. You know, so we get reminded of the conflict. We could have different reminders in our external world because it reminds us of the time that we were shocked with that news, that information of something horrible that happened. And so we have to look at, is the original conflict resolved? Have we resolved all of the reminders and the tracks? Um, And then, you know, what's the best way to support the body? Are you going to be able to support your body as it decomposes the tumor? Um, Because ideally uh, the body has, you know, the bacteria. So tuberculosis bacteria 
is an ancient bacteria and it lives in our bodies. You know, it's not bad. We don't want to eradicate it. It is our helper. It is what breaks down a lung tumor. It is what breaks down a colon tumor. So there are these little decomposers and medicine has said, oh, we must eradicate this. Tubercular bacteria causes tuberculosis and tuberculosis is bad, but tubercular bacteria are our helpers and eradicating them has not done us any good because now we don't have these vital uh, little helpers when it comes time to break down certain tissues in the body. So the body will encapsulate the tumor if it doesn't have the proper bacteria to decompose it. Right. That makes sense. Wow. A whole new, whole new outlook on cancer for sure. Um, and I guess just to wrap this up, I don't know if you have a couple minutes. To, uh, yeah, yeah, um, I'm good for another couple minutes. Okay. Um, yeah. Warren, what's your main takeaway from this whole COVID-19 um, debacle? You know, people are um, afraid of other people. You know, there's massive amounts of fear, which I always talk about. And I think that it certainly has informed um, a lot of sickness and um it's no good for humanity. So what's the, the GNM perspective on what's going on in the world right now? Well, you know, it's the seed was planted hundreds of years ago with Pasteur and this whole idea that germs cause disease. That's the only way that this whole charade can keep going, you know, and it is, and it's so deep, deeply programmed into people that it's very hard to shake. So someone coming along with like the GNM information is kind of like, you're absolutely crazy. What are you talking about? Of course, germs cause disease. But if you actually look at the, you know, the history of quote virology, virology is all smoke and mirrors. And it would take, you have to actually look at it with your own eyes. You can't hear it from anyone. You have to look at the information, which is why I'm a big fan of Stefan Lanka. And he's got this thing called Project Emmanuel, where he is helping people to see and look at the actual papers, look at what John Enders did in the 1950s, this whole sleight of hand, where we thought that now that we, now that everybody thinks that viruses cause diseases based on literally junk science, pseudoscience. And people think that it is just, you know, absolutely unquestionable. And so that, yes, the people that are genuinely afraid, it's because they genuinely believe that there is a teeny tiny particle that I can sneeze onto you and can cause you sickness. And so they feel threatened. They feel like it's totally within their right to hold you down and inject you with something, even though the injections don't prevent the spread. Don't do it. (laughs) You know, let's just ignore that. Um, But, but yeah, people are genuinely, they feel fearful for their life um, because the news and all of society has fed them this lie that microparticles cause disease in the body. Um, And so, yes, the fear, you know, the, so if you look at like, what is a cough, (laughs) you know, what is a a light fever and, and a chest cough? It is a territorial fear conflict. And so a territorial fear conflict is fear in your territory. It's, I don't feel safe. I feel, you know, like this, someone's could harm me. Someone could hurt me. There's some type of threat in my vicinity. And so literally the idea of a virus, the idea that your neighbor could be harboring something that can make you sick is the thing. It's the conflict that causes the tissue adaptation in the bronchial mucosa. So, you know, like we, like I said, with the the throat, the throat widens. um, If you have a can't swallow conflict, the bronchial mucosa. So the lining of um, your bronchia will widen when you have a threat in your territory because it says, oh gosh, 
this is this is dangerous. This is a dangerous situation. Um, we might not be safe. And so when you might not be safe, you need to get more air in your lungs so you can fight or flight. You know, you need to get away or fight off the danger. And so the um, the bronchial mucosa erodes, so it widens, so you can get more air in because you're in danger. And then when you get home and you're safe and you're on your couch watching Netflix, oh, you've resolved the conflict because oh, no, no germ-ridden people can come into my, you know, <laughs> sanitized apartment. Um, then, then you're safe again. And so when you're there, that's when your body starts healing and repairing the bronchial mucosa. That's when you start. <laughs> coughing. That's when you get a fever because you, your body is healing, but then you blame it on the person in the elevator who wasn't wearing a mask. And so you get mad all over again and you feel unsafe and you, you know, say, oh, the whole world needs to be vaccinated because this just can't happen. Um, but it's, it's totally living in a delusion. We're living in a dream world where we are literally manifesting the thing that we fear because we do not have this greater knowledge of how the body operates. This goes hand in hand with like nocebo placebo effect, right? Yeah. People really have convinced themselves and formed their bodies. Crazy craziness. It's a great, um, great new perspective to check out. Um, where can people find out more about you and uh, German New Medicine? Uh, com is my website. Um, I've got some articles on there. You can reach out to me if you've got questions or symptoms. I do a free 15 minute info call so we can just chat about what you've got going on. Um, and I can give you the GNM perspective and maybe some places for you to look in. Um, my YouTube channel is another great place to start. It's just youtube.com slash um, Sell, And I've got a lot of tutorial videos. So watch those. See, just try this idea on, see the world through this lens, see if you can make some connections to stuff that's happened to you. Um, because I don't want to, I'm not here to convince anybody that this is true or this is right. You know, I've done enough of trying to convince the people, oh, this is the truth. I'm, I'm just interested in helping people that already, this already makes sense to you, you know, mm -hmm. because when you see it for yourself, personal responsibility and personal empowerment is what this is all about. You know, if you are, if you are happy blaming gene, genes and germs and, <laughs> you know, for your illness, um, this, this is not going to make sense to you because this requires you to kind of step up to the plate of your life and say, Oh, this is coming from me. It's not that it's my fault or I'm to blame. It's just, I've been doing things inside of my consciousness that I wasn't aware of that's been contributing to and creating this dis-ease in my body. And so it, this, this work truly is for people who are ready to see how this is coming from me, want to take personal responsibility and want to understand how does this body, how does this flesh suit that I'm in, how does it work? you know, and when you're really interested in that, ooh, you have got, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. And so, yeah, I've got, I've got book recommendations on my website. There's um, yeah, a blog article where I go through all sorts of books and things that you can purchase to, to start learning this for yourself. Excellent. And just to piggyback on that, I will say that since I've moved away from germ theory, and I hear this from a lot of my terrain friends, we have been the least sick ever since we've you know stopped believing in germs and like attacking particles we've been the least sick we've ever been it's amazing so there's definitely a lot to check out thank you so much for for taking the time uh to talk with us and uh i hope you'll come back sometime so we can talk more awesome yeah let's do it thanks for having me cool thanks melissa
The information presented in this program is not intended as legal, health, or nutritional advice. It is provided for informational purposes only. Alighton does not endorse nor accept responsibility for any statements, views, or opinions expressed by its guests.